This is the primal scream of a dying regime. Pray for our enemies, because we're going medieval on these people. You're just not got a free shot on all these networks lying about the people. The people have had a belly full of it. I know you don't like hearing that. I know you try to do everything in the world to stop that, but you're not going to stop it. It's going to happen. And where do people like that go to share the big lie? MAGA media. I wish in my soul, I wish that any of these people had a conscience. Ask yourself, what is my task and what is my purpose? If that answer is to save my country, this country will be saved. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Oh, this is John Fredericks filling in for Stephen. This is John Fredericks filling in for Stephen Bannon. Stephen will be back on Monday. So I know he's better looking than me, but you're going to have to deal with it. Great to have you with us on this second segment of War Room. We're live at the New Hampshire Trump headquarters in Manchester, New Hampshire. We just had an event with Elise Stefanik. This place is packed to the gills. A lot of people filing out now. The event is over. But there were standing room only people outside, people signing our bus, all that stuff going on. By the way, you want to follow us, go to MAGABustour.com. We are good to go there. We just, uh, we're going to, in a couple of minutes, go to uh, New York Representative Congresswoman Elise Stefanik. She had some very key comments on Speaker Johnson, on the border, on the budget, on Trump. We're going to be going to that next. We had a great show for you coming up. Rudy Giuliani is going to be joining us in a few moments. John McLaughlin, Trump's number one pollster. Marsha Blackburn's going to be with us, Republican senator from Tennessee. But I got to tell you, the, the rally last night, Trump is absolutely rocking. A huge endorsement the president got. Uh, we tipped it off to you yesterday afternoon. Tim Scott, senator from South Carolina, Republican, backing uh, President Trump, dissing Vicky Hale, uh, Nikki Haley. Big win. Uh, for the president. They had a massive crowd last night. I'm going to bring in Rudy Giuliani. Rudy, uh, Mr. Mayor, thanks for being with us. You and I go way back in these New Hampshire days, back when you were running uh, for president yeah. back in the day. I tell you one thing, I miss you being here, but uh, you don't miss the cold that we've had in the last well, week actually, in New Hampshire and Iowa. It's been unbelievable. I'm actually in Manchester. I'm, I'm go about ahead, uh, four or five miles from you. <laughs> okay, so there you're you're here again and uh, wear a hat. Those of us with no hair got to put a hat on. It's really I don't cold. I get my Trump um, hat. I, I, you, I you, did a rally for Trump last night at a house. It was a, a real reminiscent in, Be in Bedford. And uh, I don't want to tell you what the vote was, but Haley got no vote. Uh, <laughs> people, still, people are still fond of, uh, of DeSantis, but uh, Trump must have won 80% of the vote. What was the uh, what was the level of enthusiasm there at your event in Bedford? Just kind of tell us about, you know, you're one of the best people at just talking to people. That's how why you're such a successful mayor. You talk, you're a man of the people. What were what were people saying? You know, the enthusiasm was very very strong and very deep. It was enthusiasm based on issues more than personality. Half these people, of course, love Trump. The other half are the Republicans who probably over the last couple of years have thought about voting for someone else. They're starting to come around almost every day more and more of them to the fact that they agree with his policies. A couple of them said to me, you know, I really was angry at him for saying this or tweeting that. But now I think about what it was like four years ago. And I think about now, 
And why should I take a gamble on somebody? I, I don't know what Haley's going to do. I don't know what, uh, uh, what DeSantis is going to do. I mean, they may be good. They may be bad. He, we know him. He's a known. Okay, so we don't like his tweeting, but we love the way he governs. And right now, we're, we, have, we don't have a choice. We're, we're, in des we're in desperation. And I would say almost to a person, they felt he was the only one who could save America. Let me let me ask you this question, uh, Mr. Mr. Mayor, the lawfare that's going on, the persecution, you're embroiled in it against yourself and against President Trump. How what when when people are looking at this, the persecution against you and President Trump, is that backfiring on the Democrats? Is that one of the things that's driving Trump here and the, the polls and the enthusiasm, sir? Yeah, John, it is. I think it is a lot. I think, I, you know, I wasn't sure when it started you never know you know indictment's a big word and it usually means people assume you guilty uh but the democrats did the thing they always do thank god they overdid it maybe if they indicted him once it would have been a nonsense case but they might have been able to sell it you know there's no person in america that's going to trial on four felonies next year this year nobody uh, if I were a lawyer for any man or woman on trial for four felonies this year, I think I could get them all dismissed. That it shows that you just want to deprive them of the due process. You can't prepare for four cases in one year. It's ridiculous. Any uh, a, a bank robber, if you tried them for four bank robberies in one year in different trials, the case would be thrown out. So this is a pure violation of due process. And it isn't even a, it isn't even a well-hidden interference with the election. This is their uh, covering up the hard drive. This is their uh, Russian collusion. This is their uh, calling us Russian pawns. This is, it has as much truth to it as all of that. And since they've been caught lying so many times, I don't know why the American people the American people just assume that when the Democrats say something, that the modern Democratic Party says something, they're lying. Because they they do all the time, and they get caught. You know, Mr. Mayor, uh, I grew up in New Jersey, New York area. I went to college at Fairleigh Dickinson. I worked in New York City. When you uh, when you got elected mayor, and I believe, if memory serves me, this is going to be November of uh, '93. Yeah, uh, correct. I think you replaced Dinkins. You couldn't. You. I, I'm from the area. You couldn't go to New York. You couldn't go down Times Square. The squalor, the crime. I mean, it, it, they turned Times Square basically into Sex Shop USA. You couldn't bring your family there. You couldn't shop at Macy's and Gimbel's like you know my mom would do when I grew up in the in the Jersey City Bayonne area. You couldn't do it. it was uh, it was two or three years. You cleaned the entire city up. It became Times Square. Basically, became the new Disney World. The shops were open. The shows were great. You revitalized that entire city. Now you look at it today, we're, we're back worse to where we were. What is going on with this Mayor Adams and the whole situation there? It's the same all over the country in this case, uh, progressive, left-wing, what do you want to call them, socialist, Marxist policies? Uh, unbelievably crazy, even crazier than then. I mean, they just voted the New York City Council to end any kind of segregation in prison. Uh, we have a very violent prison. You end segregation, you're going to get prisoners killed. Uh, they have given police officers so much paperwork 
that they virtually will spend one hour on their tour uh, protecting up and seven hours filling out reports. It's really done to discourage people from being. Now, the mayor is going to veto it, but they passed it with a veto proof majority. So we're going to have to see if Mayor Adams, who really isn't a great mayor, but he isn't a terrible mayor either. He, he kind of he has all the right ideas and then he delivers on about a quarter of it. And then he backs off like he, he's been buried by the people that came here. We have 170,000 illegals uh, committing crimes left and right. And he blames it on Abbott, <laughs> not, not, not on Trump, <laughs> not on the guy who's letting them in, who could do something to stop it. Neither one of those guys are doing anything to stop it. I mean, uh, our, he and his uh, party are doing nothing to stop it. Just complaining about it. You know, Mr. Mayor, uh, President Trump has been deriding Washington, D.C., basically saying that uh, Muriel Browser turned that into a crap hole. You know, same thing. I, I was there four years during the Trump administration. You could walk down the street, go to the ball game. Now it's another disaster. So New York, you got all these companies moving out. All their wealth is moving out. How are they going to sustain themselves when their tax base basically dries up? Like, what's their plan? Yeah. And there, the, may the mayor is not really the problem as much as the governor. Hochul has just put in a budget of 200, I think, 37 billion. Uh, we have 18 million people. The state of Florida has 21 million, and it has a budget of 111 billion. In other words, New York, with less population, has doubled the budget of the state of Florida. And I I go back and forth and live in both places. I can't see any difference in the services between the two. In fact, I think Florida has better services right now, but you pay, New York is paying twice as much. Now, people wanna know what's the difference. I'll be very blunt, corruption. New York City is a thoroughly corrupt city, democratic city. Albany, um, Albany should give awards to the people that are honest in Albany. This is a thoroughly corrupt Democrat sinecure. And it's been Democratic, you know, for 150 years. The city of New York didn't vote for Abraham Lincoln. Uh, and Tammany Hall, of course, which is part of the prototype for all of these Democrat cities that are corrupt, came from New York. And the minute you get a Democrat, as soon as Bloomberg left, it went back to being a corrupt Democrat city. He really governed as an independent. Republican first, then he left the Republican Party, unfortunately. But he didn't, he never became a machine Democrat. The last two mayors are old fashioned machine Democrats. That's synonymous with the word crook. So, I mean, you just look at New York City, it's so sad what is going on there. But, I mean, why do people keep voting? Why do the residents of New York City keep voting yeah. for these communists? I mean, they just got. They just got their sons and daughters kicked out of high school so they can go to house illegals. I mean, you're paying for a high for public education. They just kicked them out of the high school. Why do people of New York keep voting for the communists when they're destroying their life? I can. I mean, this, of course, this has perplexed me all my life, including, you know, I ran against that uh, half thinking I couldn't win. And I'm not even sure how I won. But in, in any event. The, re the, rea the reality, John, is they're brainwashed. I can only attribute it to their being brainwashed. I look at the people of Chicago, uh, just the same situation as New York, and they, 
They get a choice between two Democrats, one fairly reasonable and the other an off-the-wall communist, and they vote for the communist, and now they have more murders. I mean, and they're the people getting murdered. They're getting themselves killed by voting that way. It's a, it makes no sense. And how about school choice? 70 to 75 percent of the African Americans in this city are for school choice. Virtually every Democrat is against it. And this governor keeps a keeps a, a lid on charter schools. Why? Because they've been successful. We can't have any more. Uh, we have about 100,000 parents so who want to put their children in charter schools. The Democrats stop it, and then they go vote for a Democrat. I don't know. They did a heck of a job of brainwashing them, I'll tell you. It's, a, it's a, something I need a psychiatrist to really explain to me. <laughs> Let's get to the uh, Jewish community in New York City. They voted, they've always voted Democratic mainly, too. And another thing you can't figure out now, when you got these pro-Palestinian protests, you've got people there saying, basically, wipe out the Jews from, you know, from the, from the, the, the river to the sea, the whole bit. And yet they're still voting for Democrats when you got anti-Semitism yeah. rising in New York City to, to levels we've never seen. Why are Jews still voting for the Democrats who basically are supporting a movement to wipe them off the face of the earth? Well, you know, John, that's that's a more complicated issue and a lot more fruitful from our point of view. Uh, Ronald Reagan in 1980 is the last Republican in 1984, really, but in 80, he won New York. And I knew four weeks before the election he was going to win New York. I called one of the big people on his campaign and I said, he's going to win New York. He's going to get the Jewish vote. And he got 40 percent of it back then because of Israel. Uh, I got, believe it or not, the last time I ran, I got close to 70% of the Jews. And I, go I governed as a Republican. I'm not somebody who changed from Republican to Democrat, like Lindsey and Bloomberg. You right. go, go after Hannity, right. he tell you, the most conservative mayor ever in the history of New York. Uh, the Jewish vote is an extraordinarily intelligent vote. It's not brainwashed. It is very socially conscious. So we'll, we'll lose sometimes on social issues. Uh, right now, it's a great opportunity for Trump. There's no uh, reluctant, all that stuff about Trump being anti-Semitic. Any Jewish person in New York who knows him knows he's far from that. In fact, he's a good friend of the Jewish people in New York. Number two, all right, Mr. Mr. Uh, Mr. Mr. Mayor, we got to go. Stay with us. Yep. We're live in Manchester at so Trump headquarters. Tax Network USA is pure war room for solving your IRS tax problems. If you owe back taxes, COVID was your lucky break. Tax court shut down, the IRS paused, and you skated. Well, baby, that party is over. The IRS is adding 20,000 enforcement agents, basically tax cops. Honest, hardworking Americans like you are in the crosshairs. Rich people have tax lawyers, and you don't. You'll pay up, plus interest and penalties. Tax USA Network has brilliant war room type strategies designed to solve your IRS problem quickly in your favor. Never call the IRS yourself. You're at their mercy. You could sit on hold for six to eight hours and get hung up on, grind you for all your back taxes, plus interest and penalties. Tax Network USA attorneys have a preferred direct line to the IRS. They know which agents to talk to and who to avoid. 
If they get difficult agent, hey, they just call a different agent. Tax Network USA learned of a limited time special IRS offer. The IRS is willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. Find out if you qualify before it's too late. Schedule your free confidential consultation with Tax Network USA. They've resolved over $1 billion in tax debts. Think about that. They've resolved over $1 billion in tax debts. They offer a best-in-class client satisfaction guarantee. Now call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. And visit Tax Network USA. That's TNUSA.com slash Bannon. TNUSA.com slash Bannon. Make sure you take action on this today. This IRS grind is only going to get much worse. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome back to War Room. I'm John Frederick. Welcome back to War Room. I'm John Fredericks, filling in for Steve Bannon. Steve will be back on Monday. we got Rudy Giuliani. He's in Bedford, about five miles away. We are live at the New Hampshire Trump headquarters. This is in Manchester. And uh, moments ago, big rally here. You heard from House uh, Representative Deputy, De- Deputy of the House, Majority Whip Representative Elise Stefanik, who is here. She's been campaigning for President Trump very hard for some time. Uh, we had a conversation with her just a few moments ago. Roll the, roll the tape live with Elise. Welcome to War Room. I'm John Fredericks filling in for Steve Bannon. We are live at the New Hampshire Trump headquarters in Manchester, New Hampshire. This place is absolutely packed. There's a bedlam here. I'm going to take this out because I'm, I'm getting double feedback, guys. We're with uh, New York representative, part of House leadership, second in command, New York representative Elise Stefanik here. Elise, you came to Man... Man- you came to Man... Let's give her a hand. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> you came to Manchester to support President Trump. You've been an early and vocal supporter of his. What do you see here in the days you've been in New Hampshire, Elise? Well, there is such enthusiastic support. We had an electric rally last night in Concord. I know President Trump is so grateful for all the supporters and volunteers. I was able to thank so many volunteers. One lady I spoke with as I was phone banking, she called 35,000 voters in New Hampshire and is getting very positive feedback. So this is a people's movement. This is an America first movement. We are proud to support President Trump and momentum is on his side. And after the historic win in Iowa, we're just so excited about this support that we're seeing in the Granite State. Representative Stefanik, you're in leadership in the House. You were one of 100 people and several in leadership to vote against the spending bill, a, a vote against your speaker. Can you give us some insight into why the sellout, what is going on there, and what your position is now? Look, I think the speaker is doing a good job, and he is working very hard, and uh, we need to stand up for border security, which I know is the speaker's top priority as he enters these final negotiations. Look, my district, as I talked about here, I talked about uh, the northern border. We faced a 550% increase of illegal crossings on the Swanton sector, which covers New Hampshire, and it also covers my district. So that's a, a grave concern of mine. It is a top priority. Priority for mine. And I know that Speaker Mike Johnson, who is a strong conservative who supports Donald Trump, is working hard for border security over the next few weeks. Why the spending bill? Why kick the can down the road again? More CRs, no cuts in spending. A lot of people upset about that in the movement. That's why 100 Republicans voted no, many of them in leadership. 
Why? I think because uh, we want to continue giving the speaker the ability to fight for border security. Uh, that is a top concern, conference-wide, no matter where you're from. And he is fighting for that and uh, needs a couple more weeks to get that done from his perspective. And again, I respect the speaker. I'm proud to support the speaker. He got unanimous Republican support on the floor. And he is a very principled conservative who is going to stand up and hold Joe Biden accountable. The bill coming out of the Senate, McConnell... Langford, basically an amnesty bill. 5,000 people come in regardless uh, in perpetuity, amnesty, work permits, they'll, let, they'll end up voting. Uh, what is your position on this Republican Senate bill, which is basically uh, codifying the open border situation that we have, Elise? Well, I agree with the speaker when he said absolutely not. This is not never happening, and the media has reported it as such, and obviously we want to see border security going back to the Trump policies with border that worked. Build the wall, uh, restore remain in Mexico, and catch and release. And we passed a border security bill in the House, the most conservative, strongest border security package, uh, and Mike Johnson was a key part in getting that passed, and I know that that is what he is fighting for. And when he said it's a non-starter, it's a non-starter. Trump gets in first hundred days. What are the three top priorities in your ju judgment? You'll certainly be in a key leadership position in Congress when you guys keep the House. Top three things he needs to do. You know, I think President Trump, we look at what he achieved in just one term, uh, building the strongest economy uh, ever in the history of the country, strong national security, and then accountability and draining the swamp. And that's what we saw in the first term. And that's why voters are so supportive as we go, uh, as we are working towards defeating Joe Biden and electing President Trump this November. Are you prepared and committed to breaking up the administrative state. Absolutely. I'm one of the leading charges. I've seen firsthand the weaponization of the Department of Justice. I've been one of the leaders uh, holding the FBI accountable, holding the DOJ accountable, whether it's fighting back against impeachment sham part one, whether it's holding the FBI director accountable, which I've done uh, at many uh, high-level moments. And we're going to continue doing that on behalf of the American people. Congressman Elise Stefanik. Congresswoman, thank you for being with us. Thank you. And thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. You know, very interesting, Elise Stefanik, second in command, basically, in the House of Representatives in leadership, uh, with many other leaders voting against the spending bill. But then, on the other hand, they're still trying to defend uh, Mike Johnson, the uh, sellout speaker. That's basically what he is. He's in over his head. Obama's rolling him. He doesn't know what to do. He brought a pop gun to a bazooka fight, and he's getting his head handed to him. But they're kind of in a conundrum. They want to back the speaker. They like him. I get it. But uh, we, we're getting sellout after sellout with no end in sight. But she did vote no, so uh, we'll give her that. Joining me now, we've got Rudy Giuliani is with us, former mayor of New York City. You all know him, ran for president, spent a little time here in New Hampshire. He's in Bedford. I'm in Manchester. We're going to go to uh, John McLaughlin, chief pollster for President Trump. John, thanks for being with us live in Manchester here at Trump headquarters. I've got to tell you, looking at these polling numbers, uh, every poll that's come out now, we had a new ANSI poll out just the other day. Trump at 52%, New Hampshire, uh, pretty comfortable lead over Haley. She's at 38. So I want you to comment on that. But also, the poll in South Carolina that your former partner uh, for Fabrizio right. did back in the day, yes. showing it at, at Trump at like 65%. This was before the Scott endorsement. I mean, these numbers are stunning. Let's start with New Hampshire, John, then go to South Carolina. Well, New Hampshire, by the way, uh, Suffolk University, Boston Globe came out with a poll today. Trump's at 53. 
Haley's only at 36. In the real clear politics average, you now have Trump at, uh, running at 52 and, and Haley at 34 and DeSantis at 7. So everything's trending our way. And those polls, like that Suffolk University poll, has only 55% Republicans, which is 10 less than the history. But, but Trump is running virtually even. He's running even with uh, the independents that are coming in, 44-45. Because what's happening is, uh, yep, Republicans are voting for Trump 3-1 to one over Haley because, you know, they know she's a flip-flopper on taxes. They know that uh, she's not as good as him, certainly, to be commander-in-chief. She's weak on immigration. She's being supported by the pro-amnesty lobby with her prosperity. But, you know... President Trump wants to keep our word with working people on Social Security and Medicare. Nikki Haley says the retirement age is way too low. She, she wants to cut COLAs. And Trump wants to uh, expand uh, uh, the revenues into the trust funds by economic growth. Because what a lot of people don't realize is if, if Trump's not elected, or again, in January of next year, the Trump tax cuts expire. You know, Biden and the Democrats would just go nuts to raise the corporate tax rate, the income tax rate, uh, the rate on small businesses, subchapter S's would get killed. I mean, uh, uh, you know, it would kill the American economy. So, uh, you know, so right right now, New Hampshire voters are focused on this, and Trump has all the momentum where, he, you know, New Hampshire could deliver a knockout blow to Nikki uh, Haley and to Ron DeSantis. You know, if once President Trump wins on Tuesday, there's no path for them to go anywhere. She's losing, uh, uh, Haley's losing her home state where they know her best by more than two to one to President Trump. So, uh, and, and Trump's uniting the party. Basically, he's uniting the Republican Party with his Tim Scott, with Marco Rubio, but, you know, all these members of Congress, governors, et cetera, they're coming behind President Trump because they know we're headed Joe Biden in all the polls. I mean, I mean, Rasmussen uh, uh, reports last week had a poll. Trump was leading Joe Biden by eight points. Nikki Haley was losing to Joe Biden by two points. So, you know, being ahead of the national polls, like Harvard Harris came out just yesterday, we're ahead in that poll, we're ahead in battleground states. Um, it's a good time for President Trump's pollster. And, uh, we've got the momentum in the country once, you know, I think the electorate's close, like inside. I mean, John, you look at the South Carolina poll. Uh, we mentioned this. Uh, I mean, we talk about you know, Trump at what, 62%, Haley at 25%, DeSantis at 8 You know, DeSantis said, my last stand is South Carolina. Well, you're at 8%. It's time to go home. But uh, this was before the Tim Scott endorsement. This, this poll came out before the endorsement of Tim Scott. I would only think this is, I mean, it's not helpful to Haley. When you're the former governor, you're 25%. Then the senator that you appointed to the Senate when they had the opening goes and backs your opponent who's at 65% without his backing. I mean, I just, it, there's no math for these people. Does this thing end after New Hampshire? Or they, do you think they're going to go through to South Carolina and continue to embarrass themselves? Because that's what's happening. Uh, they shouldn't. But uh, New Hampshire, I mean, just looking at the crowd around you, what I'm hearing from the, from the campaign leadership and from the grassroots up there, uh, matches what we're seeing on our own in our own data. I mean, the Trump voters are enthusiastic. They're strong. We're broadening our coalition. We're picking up independent voters. Her effort to try to bring 
By the way, in our poll, we have 31% of the voters in the primary right now have voted in Democrat primaries before. But the idea of Nikki Haley recruiting Democrat Biden voters to come vote in our primary, yeah, it's going to happen. But they're going to be overwhelmed by Republicans and uh, independent voters who want to get rid of Joe Biden. So, uh, and by, by the way, a prediction for you, Biden may get embarrassed in the primary on Tuesday because they're running this uh, writing campaign in New Hampshire, uh, even though he took away their delegates, even though he, uh, uh, you know, basically is, is, is you know, uh, saying it doesn't matter. He's organized the best writing campaign and Dean Phillips, I think, is going to shock them the way Dean McCarthy shocked them down on Tuesday. All right, John, I tell you, that great analysis. We got to bounce. It's a great job to be the president's pollster when you're giving him these kind of numbers. I'd hate to be DeSantis, DeSantis pollster right now, or Haley's. John, thanks for being with us. Senator Marsha Blackburn, Tennessee. True or false? Using your tax refund to pay off credit card debt is a smart thing. Actually, that's false. Donewithdebt.com published a brilliant strategy designed to let you keep your hard-earned tax refund and reduce or eliminate credit card debt. Most Americans owe thousands in credit card debt. In fact, Daily Mail's got a story that 56 million Americans carry credit card debt, and that debt will take years to pay off if you pay it off at all. Done With Debt found that filing bankruptcy is usually not the answer, and taking out loans to pay off credit cards usually increases the debt. When you engage Done With Debt, their legal experts and skilled negotiators take on the credit card companies for you. Their winning strategies are designed with one goal. Solve your debt situation quickly and permanently. First things first, chat with a Done With Debt strategist and explore your solutions. Some debt-fighting strategies are time-sensitive, so you'll need to move quickly. For a free consultation, visit donewithdebt.com. That's donewithdebt.com. Do it today. Take action. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. All right. Welcome back to War Room. John Fredericks filling in for Steve Bannon. Steve will be back on Monday. I know he's better looking than me, but uh, you only got to deal with me for another day. We got Senator Marsha Blackburn coming up next. We're live at Trump, New Hampshire headquarters in Manchester, New Hampshire. Just had a riveting 20 minute address from uh, Congresswoman Elise Stefanik, leadership of the House. Also, we had a couple minutes with her. We just played that. All kinds of no- the, the, the catastrophe going on now in the House Republican conference is, uh, is a sight to be seen. Chip. Uh, 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 Chip Roy going bananas. Half a leadership voted against Roger's spending package bill. And another cave to the uh, Obama-Biden administration, whatever you want to call it, whatever going on. We got an open borders bill coming out of the Republican Senate with uh, Oklahoma Senator Lankford and McConnell. This is unbelievable. Like, why even bother to have a Republican Party? It's crazy. Joining me now, Senator, Tennessee Republican, Marsha Blackburn, Senator Thanks for being with us. And I really wanted to have you on today because you were one of, you know, we got a lot of Johnny come lately's now backing President Trump's Tim Scott obviously ran his own campaign. He came on board last night. Uh, Rubio came on the two days ago, Cruz two days ago. You were there for President Trump all the way back in the first of April. You were one of the first U.S. senators, sitting senators to back him 
you know, now, obviously, he's well on his way to being the nominee. Senator Blackburn, go back to that decision in April while you were one of the first Republicans in the Senate to back President Trump. And we need to make certain that President Trump is going to be president again. And John, you know, this nation is in trouble. You look at what is happening at that southern border and you know we have to secure it. You look at all of the out of control spending of this federal government. We have to secure it. President Trump had a historic win in Iowa. He gave a great acceptance speech. He is going to run away with it in New Hampshire. And I think it's time for Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley to end their campaigns and endorse President Trump. We have a country that we have to get back on the right track. And President Donald Trump is the man to do it. You know, Senator, obviously, uh, you know, Ambassador Haley, uh, you were part of the committee that uh, you're, you know, in the Senate when you have to confirm her. You know her. You obviously know Governor DeSantis. Uh, would you be willing to pick up the phone on Wednesday and uh, talk to Haley and DeSantis and say just what you said? You know, it's just time for you to get out of this thing. You're not going to be the nominee. We need to come together behind President Trump and end this Joe Biden communist Obama nightmare. Are you willing to do that? Oh, of, of course. And this is why I've said it is time for everyone to get on Team Trump. And it is time for us to focus on this general election. And any time that we are spending in a primary race where there is no path to victory for is Haley or whether Senator it is Santa. Go ahead. I'm, uh, you're breaking up a little bit, Senator. Hey, guys, the Senator is breaking yes. up a little bit just to know you back on my end. Okay, we got you now. Um, Senator, let me let me right. ask you this question straight up. Uh, the, 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 the Republican Senate, I mean, they just forwarded this bill, Lankford-McConnell. It's basically an open border, the codifying Obama doctrine, open borders, 5,000 people in a day forever, uh, change the country. Remember Obama said, give me another 30 million people, you never recognize America, I'll transform it forever. How do you get how, how do you be serious as a party and get a bill like this coming out of the Senate, which is basically codifying amnesty, work permits for everybody, take jobs away, driver's licenses, they'll end up voting. We got them overrunning hospitals, overrunning schools. I mean, how can how can the Republican Party be a serious entity when they actually try to get that bill out of the Senate signed by your leader and then signed by Lankford? And I have said, I will not vote for anything that makes illegal immigration legal. We know this administration has focused on trying to make illegal immigration legal. And we know that Border Patrol has been telling us for decades that they need a physical barrier. They also need better technology where they cannot have a barrier and they need more officers and agents on the ground. You cannot continue this out of control parole system that Biden has where he's waving people in every single month, 302,000 people in the month of December at that southern border. Think about these numbers. When you look at the number of 
known gotaways on top of this. John, you have to secure the southern border. You cannot make illegal entry taking place between our ports of entry. You cannot take steps and make that legal. So I think I've been pretty clear about this. Nothing that would diminish or weaken our system. We have to secure our border. We have to end this parole. We have to change our asylum laws. We have to secure the border. You know, build a wall sounds really good to a lot of us. Senator Blackburn, I get what you're saying, but right now it's still open borders. And uh, until we get President Trump there, it appears to be no end in sight. But apparently that bill, that bill is dead in the water, the uh, Lankford-McConnell bill coming out of the Senate. Uh, let's get to spending. Uh, what is the plan with the Republican conference uh, led by your leader, Mitch McConnell? What is the plan here to cut spending so that this uh, thing doesn't go over a ditch and we, be, we become basically bankrupt? I mean, they're trying to get more money from Ukraine, borrow it from China to get it. And there seems to be no movement in the Republican Senate to stop this. Well, every year I file three pieces of legislation calling for either a 1%, 2%, or 5% across the board spending cut. Those are great places to start. And I also have legislation that I think is a great idea and it is to freeze federal spending, federal hiring, and federal salaries and begin to reduce the size of the federal bureaucracy. And those are steps that we should take right now. We're $34 trillion in debt. Our children and grandchildren cannot afford for us to keep spending money like this. It is imperative that we get our arms around these spending provisions. So freeze it, begin to make those cuts, reduce what the outlays are, right size this federal bureaucracy. We have employees of the federal government that don't show up to work right now. Look at the Veterans Administration and our veterans health care. Right now, we have a backlog at the VA of about a million people for claims for health care and benefits. But what is the VA spending some of their money on? They're approving health care for illegal immigrants and doing claims processing for illegal immigrants. And many of the VA employees are not even showing up to work. They're still working from home under COVID era protocols. We need to bring that to a halt. Ukraine, when are you guys gonna hold them accountable? Does this money spigot go on forever? What is your position on that, Senator Blackburn? You know, John, one of the things that many of us have said is, we have to have transparency and know where this money is going. And how can we talk about defending somebody else's border when we will not defend our border? Tell us about this Lloyd Austin, Secretary of Defense situation. Uh, there you are, U.S. Senator, and you've got the Secretary of Defense goes into ICU, never tells 
Joe Biden never tells the president, never tells the administration. Days go by. You've got you've got issues with the uh, the Houthis, the surrogate of Iran, blowing tankers up. I mean, he's in the hospital. He doesn't tell Biden. Were you briefed on that, or what was your? I mean, what was your what was your reaction to that, Senator? We were not briefed on this, and I think most of us found out about it just the way the American people did, and obviously some people from the administration when it was reported in the news. But prior to that, we had no briefing. We had no information on this. Now, what, what about the we're dropping bombs in Yemen? Uh, this is a Middle Eastern country. Marsha, that has just been ravaged with war, uh, no authorization of military force, dropping bombs on them. Uh, that might drag Iran further into this conflict with Israel. Uh, was, was the Senate given any information on this? And what, what is the plan here with the Houthis? Well, and one of the things I think we have to realize is there is this kinetic activity around the Houthis, and it took the administration days. There were 130 attacks before they responded. And I find it unseemly that we have the two missing Navy SEALs, and the president still has not made a comment about that. We also have one severe injury with one of our troops in a coma. And there has been no comment around this. And, John, as we talk about the Houthis, here is a place where President Donald Trump had it right. He designated them a foreign terrorist organization. That was appropriate. When you get that designation, you cannot get a visa into the U.S. You cannot get access to your bank accounts because U.S. banks freeze your access to funds. Now, those are appropriate steps. So Biden came out and said, well, we're going to designate the Houthis. They were saying they were designating them as a terrorist group. But what they did was to give them that special global terrorist group designation and put that on them because that does not restrict funds and it would still allow them getting visas into the U.S. I think those are inappropriate steps. They should have been designated an FTO. Their money should be frozen. And we know that Iran is who is funding not only the Houthis, but also Hezbollah and Hamas and ISIS in Syria and Iraq. And we know that Iran is who is training and equipping and uh, providing what they need with missiles and fighting power. So we need to put those sanctions back on Iran. That is another place where President Donald Trump had it right. And Joe Biden comes along, and what does he do? He takes the sanctions off of Iran so that they're able to sell their oil, so that they have all of this money, and they're putting it into these terrorist organizations who are out here fighting like the Houthis and going after the ships of our, of our allies and us. I tell you, Senator, that's why uh, 
That's why we need you to get reelected to the Senate. You've got your own campaign coming up. People want to follow you uh, on social media or get involved with your campaign in Tennessee. Where do they go, Marsha? MarshaBlackford.com. I encourage them to go there and stay in touch. All right. And remember, Senator Blackburn, one of the first senators, Republican senators in the country to back President Trump in April. Got a lot of Johnny come lately's now. Not Marsha Blackburn. I want to warn you of a huge change that could be coming to our money and our bank accounts. First, think back to 9-11, shortly after the government pushed through the Patriot Act. This gave the government power to spy on innocent Americans by monitoring our phone and email and tracking our movement across the Internet. Now, Jim Rickards, editor of the independent financial newsletter Strategic Intelligence and New York Times bestselling author, is warning about a coming event that could elevate this governmental surveillance to a terrifying new level. In fact, Some of the guests I've had on The War Room believe that the government will soon expand their powers to track our every move. If we say the wrong things on social media, donate to the wrong causes, buy firearms, or even vote MAGA, the government may be able to shut us out of our bank accounts. I can't say for sure if this will happen, but it's an interesting and dire warning. Fortunately, Jim Rickards, an American patriot and friend of mine, has made it his mission to educate us on what he believes is coming and how to protect yourself from the possibility of programmable money. Watch Jim's warning video now before it's censored like I've been in the past. Go to RickardsWarRoom.com. That's RickardsWarRoom.com now to see the video. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome back to War Room. I'm John Trevis filling in for Steve Bennessy. We'll be back on Monday, bright and early, 10 a.m. Oh, no, that's me, bright and early, 6 a.m. He's all refreshed, and he'll be ready to go at 10. Me? i got to get up at 4, but it's all good. Joining me now here at Trump headquarters in Manchester, New Hampshire, is uh, just got a huge promotion. You know Caroline Levitt, right? She ran for Congress. I was one of the first people in the media to endorse her, right? Remember yes, that's that? right, John. Yes. Came up and emceed a big fundraiser. You had, uh, you had Byron Donald. Yes, we did. You had uh, uh, Lauren Bober. Lauren yes, Bober. that was a fun day. We had a fun day, <laughs> and uh, you ran a hell of a race. Thank we you. Really, really did. So we hope to see you back. But now, Caroline Levitt got a big promotion with the Trump campaign. She, yeah, let's give her a hand, Harry. Let's give her a hand. Oh my God. She is the national. Press secretary. This is a big, big deal, folks, because I get this stuff. National press secretary for the Trump for President 2024 campaign. Caroline, welcome. What a crowd here today. It is an amazing crowd, and we are so excited. There is no team like Team Trump, and the enthusiasm from President Trump's historic victory in Iowa definitely carry through here uh, to my great home state, the Granite State. He is going to go on to win our first in the nation primary for the first for the third time uh, on Tuesday, and we're looking forward to it. And it's all thanks to him and our great team of grassroots volunteers who you see behind us, who have been knocking doors, making phone calls, hundreds of thousands of voter contacts have been made. You know, you look at the Haley campaign and what they're doing, you know, sometimes you get the feeling she's actually running in the Democratic primary 
She's trying to get Democrats to vote for her, who are then going to turn around and vote for Biden. Yes. Like, how does this even make any sense? Yes, that's exactly right. So voters need to understand that Nikki Haley's campaign is funded by Democrat donors who are part of the Never Trump movement and support Joe Biden. And Nikki Haley's campaign is appealing to Democrat voters here in New Hampshire who changed their party affiliation to infiltrate our Republican primary on Tuesday. That's why it's so important. If you live in New Hampshire and you are a Republican or you're not registered, you're just a common sense granite stater that wants your utility bills lower, you want our borders secure, you want peace around the world, and you want to rebuild this economy, then you get out on Tuesday and vote for President Trump. Nikki Haley is a rhino, open border globalist who we cannot afford to elect. You know what's uh, been very revealing in the last uh, week that I've uh, been watching this here after Iowa is watching the uh, the ads that are run by the Trump campaign against Haley. And you kind of forgot some of the things she said. They're all coming back to haunt her. Open borders, not wanting to call illegal immigrants illegal, wanting amnesty, uh, basically in favor of all these wars globalist uh, rhetoric. It's all coming back to Horner now. Yes, it is indeed. I mean, she has made some egregious statements in the past on the border since you mentioned it, John. I mean, and this is top of mind for all Americans, not just Republicans. Independents and Democrats, too, are concerned about our border. You have nearly 8 million illegal people that have invaded it that we know about. My guess is that it's much, much more than that. They are making their way into every corner of every community across this country. Uh, just a few days ago, there was an egregious story in the city of Boston, which is not too far from New Hampshire, where an alleged rapist, who is an illegal immigrant from Haiti, raped a disabled woman and was then released back into the community. That is Joe. Bi that is the reality of Joe Biden's open border policy. And Nikki Haley has said that we should not call those people, those thugs, those criminals, criminals. She thinks that we should be respectful when we talk about them. How about they be respectful to us and our nation and our country's laws? by not breaking them immediately uh, upon coming to our nation. You know what it reminds me of, Caroline? Uh, 88 campaign, Dukakis, uh, what was that? Uh, George, George H. Bush, 88 campaign, where there was this guy, Willie Brown, that Dukakis had this policy where they were letting criminals out early, and then he came back and murdered a couple people. And those ads ran forever. Lee Atwater put those mm -hmm. on. It, it basically sunk the Dukakis campaign. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's having the same effect here. But uh, th this Haley strategy of, of, co of cobbling together the Democrat Never Trumper coalition, and then you got Governor Sununu on TV pleading with people to vote for her. Yeah. I mean, it's almost comical. Nikki Haley and our rhino governor, Chris Sununu, are trying to turn the Republican primary into a Democrat, never Trump, unaffiliated primary. And it's just not going to work because we, like I said, Team Trump has been getting out the vote, uh, making phone calls, knocking doors on the doors of Republicans, but also common sense independents who don't believe in the never Trump movement and believe in President Trump's policies. Again, to secure the border, bring peace around the world, rebuild the economy, bring utility costs down. They're skyrocketing because of Bidenomics in this state. So Nikki Haley does not have a plan or a strategy that will work. She has never had a practical pathway to nomination. That became very clear after Iowa, where she had a embarrassing third place defeat. She should have looked in the mirror then and said, okay, it's time to unify around President Trump so we can turn the page away from this primary and focus on Joe Biden, who's destroying our country. 
Caroline Levin, I want to thank you for being with us. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. Congratulations you. on your very well-deserved promotion. Thank you. And uh, congratulations, too. I forgot to tell you, I'm really running a very, very good campaign thank you. for Congress. Thank came, you. Came up short. But uh, it was one of the most vibrant, energetic campaigns I've ever been involved in. Oh, thank you. I was, I was honored to, to be involved thanks in Thanks so much, John. And, and uh, thanks to the RAV viewer, viewers who are just so loyal and amazing. And my best to your, mo <laughs> to your mom and dad who yes, I met. Yes, yes. Uh, who are very proud parents. <laughs> they they're very, are. They're, they're good people. Yeah, so thanks to them. <laughs> thank you. Okay, we're going to hand it off to Rudy Giuliani, Mr. Mayor, America's Mayor, live in Bedford. I'll see you at 6 a.m. On Monday, bright and surly. Yeah, well, For War Room veterans, you know we have been all over this supply chain issue with China and medications and the uh, active pharmaceutical ingredients. China has a stranglehold on us where there's a way to break that. Jace Medical. I got an emergency medication kit from them. The FDA just declared a global shortage of medication and warned that critical antibiotics are in extreme short supply across the United States. But you know that. Because you're a viewer or listener of the show. Now, here's the action you can take to correct. Do yourself and your family a favor and get your Jace case right now. It's a pack of five prescription antibiotics you'll have on hand for common emergencies. Just visit jacemedical.com. That's Jace, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com. Take a few minutes and fill out the form. Your information will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medication will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. You'll be glad you have the Jace case. Go to Jace Medical, that's one word, J-A-S-E, medical.com, and enter code Bannon at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code Bannon at Jace, J-A-S-E, medical.com. You know what the problem is because you've watched the show. You can break, you can take action and break that problem by going to Jace Medical and get your Jace case today. Action, action, action. Early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. 
You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code WARROOM at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. And do it again. WARROOMHEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out.